Hi, this is Kipley Brown, Lieutenant Barbara Smith on Star Trek Continues, course plotted for the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Welcome, one and all, to Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, and episode 49 of our biggest little show. I'm your co host, Bill Smith. Joining me as he does every episode about this time. Well, you know, he's been watching so many episodes of The Flash lately that he thinks he's the fastest man alive. Um, he's the very speedy. And Blurry, Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome aboard, buddy, and um, please don't open up any portals to Earth 2, would you? No, thanks. Well, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what an awesome show that is. It is so great. I cannot wait to start watching season two. It has just been so fun to watch with my wife. I'm telling you, you got to watch Arrow because of the crossovers. Yes, we are. I think we are planning on doing that. And I guess there's a crossover and it's going to be in Supergirl pretty soon, too. So, I mean, they're all, all the universes are colliding here. What's going on with DC on, on TV is pretty great. I can only hope that some of that rubs off on Star Trek, but for now, I'll take what we're going to get in less than a year. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> yeah, neither can I. Um, the other thing I can't wait for, Dan, is for you to tell the good folks at home how they might be able to get in touch with us with questions, information, or maybe more pleased to get you to start watching Arrow. Your ability to segue is 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 really remarkable. I don't, love it. Don't try this at home. Okay, yes. Well, there's all as always, there are several ways to get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype. Our handle is Trek Geeks. Uh, you can also send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com. Or you can give us a call on your funny old rotary phone at 508-784-1701. Uh, also, if you are on Facebook, please feel free to join our official Facebook group called Camp Kittimer. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer, and we will let you right in. Uh, just remember that any comments or suggestions that you leave us in any of these places will definitely be used in a future episode of the Trek Geeks podcast. Right, Bill? Right, Dan. And while we're thinking about it, too, let's remind everybody about the giveaway we have going on right now, still. And all you have to do is join our fleet inside of Star Trek Timelines. It is appropriately named the Trek Geeks Fleet. Hey, look at that. Hey. Hey, and all you have to do is go to our Facebook page for more details. It's the post that's pinned right at the top at facebook.com slash trekgeeks. And you can win one of two, count them, two limited edition theatrical posters that Timelines had commissioned. One, two. Yeah, Dan can count to two. Excellent. Good job, buddy. Thank you. Next week, we're going to work on three. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other shoe drops. Uh, boom. The Speaking, third shoe? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Let's make our way into some Star Trek news, my friend. Yes, absolutely. It's always fun to talk news. Uh, we got a few stories to talk uh, about uh, this week. Um, one, if you may recall, last week we talked about uh, some Axanar uh, lawsuit coverage, I guess is the best way to uh, to put that. Would you say so, Bill? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, um, it was interesting that Axanar uh, had a press release that revealed that they actually made an initial settlement offer on the day that CBS handed down the lawsuit. Yeah, I'm really kind of surprised by that because 
It was in a, a, a press release on their uh, on their press release site. So, you know, it's it's an official notification and mm-hmm. it quotes Alec as saying that, you know, they uh, although our initial settlement offer made to CBS the day we received the original complaint was rejected. We look forward to the opportunity to work something out that can be mutually beneficial to all parties. First, it makes me wonder what possibly they could have offered by way of settlement because exactly. what is there to yeah. give CBS? Exactly. That's yeah. Yeah. I'd love to have been a fly on that wall. <laughs> yeah. They, well, because they'd have to offer CBS one of a couple of things, money or some factored watered down version of the production or maybe something else. I don't know. Yeah. It'd be interesting if we're able if we are a, ever able to see in fact what that uh initial settlement was. I don't think we could ever would see it unless it comes out in court. Uh if it gets that far, if it's not settled before a court date and it, and things start coming out. Um but yeah, very, very interesting, a little strange. But you know. I'm I'm almost and granted, we'll, we're gonna reiterate neither of us is a lawyer. Exactly. We're not attorneys. Yep. We're just reading and responding to what we see come out either in the press or in this case as an official action or press release as fans and as donors. Mm-hmm. So we have both made financial contributions to Axonar on two separate occasions individually. And I have to think that the longer this goes on, the less likely any possibility of settlement probably is. Yeah. I have nothing to back that up. I have no knowledge, but I would think that if you wanted a settlement, probably the way to go about that was not to file a motion to dismiss. Yeah. I think what you're talking about there, buddy, is a hunch. Would you concur? <laughs> I would. It's okay. <laughs> it's it's my own opinion. And I could be wrong. I, I freely admit that, but I am um, my opinion is is as valid as anybody else's. And sure. That's just the way it strikes me. Do you I- feel the same way? Do, uh, absolutely feel the same way. If I didn't, I would just cease and desist you, sir. But uh, I cease thee, <laughs> and I desist thee, Coral. <laughs> Sorry, a little inside joke. A little inside joke. Yeah, we'll get to that in a future episode. But moving on to some non-lawsuit things and some movie things. Don't get too excited. It's not Star Trek Beyond, Bill. Uh, we found some interesting, uh, or we saw an interesting story this week in uh, relation to one of our favorite Star Trek The Next Generation actors who has uh, been signed on to be in a future movie that's going to, or I'm sorry, not a movie. It's not a movie, is it, Bill? It's not, Dan. It's actually <laughs> the, although work for the sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy has started, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> um, that's not what we're talking about. No, we're actually I'm talking about re- the Guardians of the Galaxy animated series. Animated series, that's it. And he, who would be the best first officer in the history of televised Star Trek, yes, Jonathan Frakes has been cast as Star-Lord's father, which I think is awesome. It is awesome. Let me tell you where my confusion just came in, because right before we started recording tonight, I was looking at some uh, a news story about Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And one of the guys who used to be on Sons of Anarchy was just cast to be in part two. And I think I think that's where my streams got crossed there. Oh, you crossed the streams already. <laughs> no, it's a, Jonathan's done a lot of voice work over the yep. years. I mean, going back to like Gargoyles mm-hmm. back in the day. Wow. Yeah. And uh, well, there, it seemed like there was a whole next-gen tie-in for Gargoyles all along because Marina was in it. And I think Dorn was in it at one point, And I think... Maybe a few other people popped in and out, but um, I think this is fantastic. You know, I, I'm i a huge Frakes fan. If you've ever seen yes. him at a convention, he's uh, hilarious. He's, even, he's hilarious. He, yeah. he, he's, I love him that much more now that I've seen him at cons. Yeah. Um, and I, there are people out there who don't like Riker, but I tell you what, I'm a huge Will Riker fan. <laughs> yeah he is uh the first time i saw him was in vegas with you last year and and he had us he had the whole crowd in stitches he was great um it'll be great to see i hadn't i'm not a huge guardians of the galaxy fan i liked the movie i wasn't blown away by it i've only seen it once but i know that a lot of people feel it's one of the better marvel movies that have come out over the course of the last decade um it'll be interesting to see what this animated series is like i'll definitely check it out now that we know that uh jonathan frakes is going to be in it you mean the animated series? Yeah. The animated um, series, yeah. Yeah. I, I saw the first movie. I was okay to it. 
Yeah. Yeah, but I was I saw it late. I mean, it had already been out on home video for quite a while at that yep. point. Same with me. And yep. I think that you know, I think everybody else's buzz going, "Oh my god, it's so awesome!" Kind of you know set the yeah. expectation really high, and yep. when I came into it, I was like, "Eh, all right." Yeah, kind of like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, kind of like yep. Star Wars. Yeah, we'll talk so about that another when, time, though. When is that coming out? The animated series is. Was there a release date in that uh, article? I hadn't noticed it, but if he's just been cast, I would imagine that uh, it's probably not for a little while. Yeah, cool. We'll Maybe sometime of, later this year. It'll be good to see that. I'm looking forward to it. I will watch that animated series, Bill. Yes, you will. And Dan, the other thing that you intend to watch come January 2017 is the new Star Trek series. We know that Brian Fuller is the co-creator and executive producer, but he has brought on a name of mythic proportions in the Star Trek universe. I think it's safe to say that time kind of stopped Friday afternoon when this came out and you and I were chatting on Instant Messenger. Nicholas Meyer is going to be one of the writers and producers of the new Star Trek series. That is beyond monumental. That is so huge. Um, it. What are all the haters saying now? Yeah, I'm sure their heads have <laughs> got to be exploding. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they are hitting home run after home run. I mean – the last two announcements that they've had have been off the charts in terms of what Star Trek people want. So this is – I can't wait to see what drops next. Even if this series is set in the new movie universe, I don't care mm. because I now have two people on board this project that I know tell great stories yep. with great character development. Yep. I mean you can you know criticize the low points of Brian Fuller's career – um, if you want to, and even some of the decisions that, that Meyer made, you know, like having a, a galley on the Enterprise with mashed potatoes and phasers, <laughs> which is really the least of transgressions. Yeah. You know, uh, but he is somebody who has played a key part in three of the most loved Trek movies of all time, mm -hmm. having directed two and having written, you know, the majority of the third one. Yep, and one of them being arguably the best of all of the Star Trek films. Right. Yeah, uh, it, huge news. Uh, we were both so thrilled, and I'll tell you what, I'm new to Twitter in the last year. I pretty much got into Twitter when we started the podcast a little over a year ago, and this moment and what we're going to talk about next was – are two perfect examples of how Twitter explodes over certain things and watching Twitter explode on Friday afternoon with this announcement of Nicholas Myers was really something to watch. It was a lot of fun to watch. I had a great time. I, I am psyched at the way that people are coming on board. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's still going to be that swath of people that says, I'm not paying to watch that show. Yeah. Okay. Hey, that's fine. That's what you want to do. That's great. Yep. I am more power to you. If you decide you don't want to make that spend and you want to, you know, not part uh, uh, partake of, of the new series until some other time, that's fine. Yep. But I have seen a lot of people going, I'm all in now. Yeah. Uh, and if, I mean, we've been all in from the beginning, but I mean, just now it's, like I said, I just can't wait to see what's going to happen next because, uh, the, the first the, the first two major announcements were great. I do want to point out one thing. Our good friend Larry Nemechek tweeted. One of the tweets is an example of what I mean. Um, he tweeted yesterday afternoon at Brian Fuller, a master stroke, sir, and we're barely out of the gate. Hashtag no pressure. Perfect yeah. tweet. This yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, well, it's important to note that Meyer is going to be on the writing staff and probably have a producer credit. Mm -hmm. There is no word yet on whether or not he will direct you know, whether the pilot or any episodes, but the man is a film director. It yep. is entirely possible that that could be the case. Yep. No, we'll see. We'll keep our ears and eyes open, won't it's, we? It's really a shame that CBS doesn't want this show to succeed. Yeah, and I, I don't get it. I just, they're just not doing anything to really get people interested. It's a shame they're not making the Star Trek fans want. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, a minute ago, I made mention of Twitter exploding, and it was a year ago today that Twitter exploded in a very sad way. Uh, today marks the one-year anniversary of the passing of Leonard Nimoy uh, as we record tonight, and uh, it's still it's still really difficult for a lot of people, I think. 
I I can count myself in that group. Um, yeah. It's still, you know, I think about it and I can't help but get a little misty eyed because Leonard was such a huge part of my experience as a fan. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's, we had the conversation a year ago and we did our, our uh, memorial podcast, which was, if you haven't heard it yet, uh, it's episode four of the Trek Geeks podcast that we did a year ago. Uh, about this time and we were both sicker than dogs and we felt it important to get together and and talk through our grief and to give Leonard the kind of remembrance that we thought was fitting and we made the statement back then that you know he was Star Trek because without Spock there's no Star Trek no and without Leonard there's no Spock yep so transitively Leonard is Star Trek Mm -hmm. and there's so much that he brought to that character that you know we accept as as standard in our culture today, like the live long and prosper and the Vulcan salute and yeah. and all kinds of aspects to Spock that another actor wouldn't have brought to the table. Right. It's uh, it's easy to say that that his character Spock is easily an American icon, probably a worldwide icon, I think it's safe to say. But And I don't mean to take anything away from any of the actors, other actors or people that have performed on the show uh, through the years. But when you say, what's the first thing you might think of when you think of Star Trek? A lot of, nine times out of 10, it's going to be Spock. Yeah. You know, you'll see some people say the Enterprise and some people will say Kirk, but Spock is the iconic character of the franchise, I think. Um and it is because of what Leonard put into that role. And it's really, it's really amazing to think it's already been a year since, since he passed away. Yeah. It's like the time has flown by, but in a, in kind of a sad way. Yeah. I, uh, I think he would be pleased at the developments in the last few months, mm-hmm. especially with the regards in the new series and to see yeah. that the film, um, uh, series from JJ or from bad robot anyway, was continuing. Yeah. I think that I think that he would be pleased. I hope he would be pleased because I know mm-hmm. he he liked what JJ was doing since he he was on board. Yeah, he was in both of them. Yep. But um, it's he's the it's the kind of thing that you know I will miss every day. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it took you it took you a very long time to listen to episode four of our podcast, and it right did. rightfully so. Uh, and it took you a while to watch. Uh, any episodes of original Trek, if I remember correctly, also. Yeah, that's true. In fact, it's only recently that I've started watching TOS on Saturday yeah. mornings. Yeah. Um, and I usually like either tweet out or Facebook out a, a photo of the uh, the episode I'm watching, and mm-hmm. it's um, I watch it from two different points of view now. The first of which is what is Spock doing? Yeah. And then the other of which is since we've been to the Star Trek continue sets is to say, oh, I know what part of the set that is. I know what part of the corridor that is. Right. And so I watch it with a slightly different eye now, and I I see a, a little bit more the nuances that Leonard played in Spock. And, yep. you know, it's, um, it's, it's masterful. I tell you what, it brings a smile to my face when I watch it. I, Good. You know, it's, uh, good to, it's good that you can smile watching it again because uh, it's uh, it's people have been grieving in their own way, and that's certainly uh, understandable. And he may be gone, but he will always live long and prosper. He will, without doubt. Yep. Well, Dan. There has been other big developments this week in <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> the long-awaited fan film, Star Trek Horizon, dropped two days early. Not that we're upset about that. No, we're not. <laughs> it was, yeah, um, we've seen the trailers and we've seen the scenes that uh, that has been released on their website and... To say that we were anxious and excited for it is an understatement. I will say that we had conversations um, way back, and I forget even when it was, about how we watched the first scene that was released, which is the actual first scene of the movie. And and I was, you know, it was good. I didn't, you know, nothing that was blowing my doors off or anything like that. But looking at it again, and then waiting in anticipation for this to come out over the last couple of weeks, I was really excited for it to come out. And I guess to say that it has taken off like wildfire is an understatement. 
Yeah, I'm really excited at how many people have watched this so far. We should say at the outset is it was our hope to have Tommy Craft on our podcast uh, to talk about Horizon mm-hmm. this episode. Yep. Um, there was a, a snafu with scheduling, and he'll have to appear at a different time, but we absolutely look forward to having him yep. on the podcast to talk Horizon because there are so many questions we want to ask him. Right. Yep. Not the least of which is how he was able to get this film from concept to completion for under $50,000. And not only to get it from concept to completion for under $50,000, but how to make it look like a major production for under $50,000. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned here for mm-hmm. fan films. And yep. by that, I don't mean like, you know, the Farragut's or the Continues or, you know, uh, some of the other shows. Yep. But I mean, fans, you know, with no experience in the business. And I know Tommy does have some experience doing some stuff, but mm-hmm. I think it, the, the horizon opens up a whole new set of doors for people. Yeah. Especially in creativity. Oh, my word. Yeah. It's amazing to think of what he was able to accomplish with with what he had to work with, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in he only had so much money to work with, but it, you don't you can't tell. No. Um, I mean, it was it really was great uh, from the very first you know the very first battle scene uh, with the NXL four discovery. Uh, it's just you you just I was just sitting there my my jaw was probably hanging open watching it because it was it was really something to to behold one of the things that I do like um about this film for those who may not have seen it um, well before you go much further sure let's throw out the spoiler warning oh okay yes so yep. while we are not going to give a synopsis of this movie mm-hmm. primarily because we want people to sit down and watch this because we truly think it's worth your time Yep. We are going to tell you that we are going to discuss happenings and plot right. occurrences in this movie. So if you listen from here on in, there are spoilers. Yep. You will find out things that are in the movie. Yep. If you don't want to know those things, stop now. Go watch Horizon because we'll have linked to it on TrekGeeks.com. And then come back. Yeah. So and then you can listen to us. So Whatever. spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yes. Okay, and now continue. Okay. Yes. One of the things I like best about this movie is that it takes place at the same time frame as Star Trek Enterprise. You and I both like Enterprise. We both feel that it has never really gotten the love as a Star Trek series that it deserved, probably because it got canceled early is a testament to that it wasn't getting the love that it deserved. And to have an entire movie written and created by a guy to take place in that time frame, I think is just great. It really carries on that enterprise uh, TV show in a way. Well, and the fact that he didn't shy away from having the enterprise in the movie. Right. You I would know? have loved somehow if they could have had a cameo of Archer in there, but you know, I'm sure that that would have uh, possibly opened some doors of, of, of things we don't want to discuss, but, but having the NX-01 fly by screen and having them talking to someone on the enterprise, that was just magnificent. Well, and I appreciate the fact that this plot is well thought out in the scope of the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. So we see tie-ins, not only to enterprise and the temporal cold war, yep, but also to JJ Trek 2009. Yes. Because it mentions the destruction of Romulus. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and then the Romulan War gets brought in. And then yep. the, the Iconians. Know, the Iconians from Next Gen. Yep. Which starts the whole movie. Yep. Yeah. That's, it was uh, to be able to. That's one of the things that, that I think really has us excited about this is he brings in so many facets of so many different aspects of Trek. And he does it in a way that it doesn't look forced. I think that's a good way to put it. No, I, I think you're right about that. Yeah. And then you have to balance all of that against the fact that many of the scenes for this movie were shot in a basement against a green screen. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, so if you haven't gone out to the Horizon website, it's um, StarTrekHorizon.com, I believe it is, and watch Tommy Craft's you know, behind-the-scenes video blogs on how he made this stuff. He made everything from props to you know the set to costumes. The man learned how to sew and mm-hmm. made costumes himself for his own movie. Yep. You know, I mean, that's dedication. It, it's a, it's a labor of love. Yeah. I mean, that yep. much is, 
is incredibly obvious. So let's talk about the green screen for a minute. Because there are times when it's fairly obvious it's green screen. Mm-hmm. And then there are times where it's not. Right. Did you find it distracting at all? No, I didn't. And I don't want to compare productions. This isn't this I'm not trying to do a comparison with what I'm gonna say. Right. But right. there were times watching Renegades when it was very distracting. Yeah. Watching Horizon, there were certainly times where you could tell that it was green screen. A good example is when there were explosions, uh, when they were fighting the the probes. Yep. When there were explosions going off right in front of them, you could tell that was green screen. It didn't take away from anything. Whereas in Renegades, I was distracted by the uh, green screen work in that yeah. in that production. Again, I don't want to take anything away from Renegades. Um, I'm just saying it was not something that distracted me in this production, which is a testament to what he was able to do, again, with no money. Yeah, and in some of the bridge scenes, is a little obvious, too. Yep. Yep. You know, because anything that's not the captain's chair or maybe one or two of the consoles, like uh, the backgrounds or green screen. And there are times when it looks a little soft focused mm-hmm. in the background and it, yep. it seems like it probably is. But I have to agree with what you said. It's not it's not distracting. Yep. It's not, oh, man, that looks you know cheesy because it doesn't look cheesy in any way. Right. I think one of the things I said to you, uh, I think it was last night, actually, when I was when I was reviewing some stuff is the way that I think that Tommy was able to do this in a way that it made it look uh, actual is the lighting may have been a little different and it was green screen. So he had to work with that. So I think a lot of the softer lights came through and I, I mentioned to you, sometimes it looks like the uh, principal characters in the scene were a little fuzzy around the edges. Yeah. I think that was done purposely as I look at it again, because he didn't want it to take away the, from the fact that it was green screen. I'm not sure if that makes sense of what I'm trying to say, sure. but um, I'm wondering, that's something I want to ask him when we speak to him is, was that done on purpose because of the tremendous amount of green screen work that had to be done with this? That's a good question. I, uh, I, I think the other thing too is I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> that's okay. While you're thinking of it, you know what else I thought was great about What's the that? Was it? Go ahead. Lens flare. <laughs> Try not to yell into the microphone. <laughs> Sorry, it's exciting. Lens flare. You're a huge lens flare fan. I know that. <laughs> I love it. I can't I even say brilliant. lens flare without tripping over it half the time. <laughs> Corbinite maneuver. Yeah, Corbinite, yeah. <laughs> there uh, there was a whole lot of lens flare. Yes. And I, I'm not as big a fan of the lens flare as you are, but I think that it fit given the lighting style. Yes. Now I know what I was going to say. Um. I thought that the lighting style was appropriate for a feature film look. I mean, he wasn't creating another episode of a TV series where things were lit very differently, yep. with a, you know, with a different contrast ratio. It looked like, you know, kind of like when Next Gen went from TV to movies and the lighting in Generations was very different on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. It struck me as that level. You know, there was more... More light from more natural light from space, for example, yep. Yep. coming in the windows, which I thought mm-hmm. was a really nice effect. Yep. There were times where it caused a lot of shadows. Yes. But I don't think it looked bad. Um, I mean, I could nitpick and say there was one scene with shadows that I didn't like necessarily. It was a scene on the bridge with uh, the engineer and the captain's chair and Tamar at the helm. And the... Uh, the the acting captain, his face is totally in shadow as he gives his line. You can't see his face. Mm-hmm. Yet the officer sitting directly in front of him is lit right. fairly perfectly. Yep. So that was the one distracting item I found. But really, that's that's really not that big a deal. Yeah. One of the things that I found most impressive in terms of visually, and again, this is another thing I'd love to figure out how it's done. When they land, when they when they beam down to the planet, all the vegetation is purple. <laughs> I thought that was just awesome. I thought it was really great because they're obviously, I mean, it's green screen, you know, but um, it looked like they were standing in a forest and everything was green. It's as if they took, if they went and filmed in a forest, but then he did something to make all the vegetation look green. I mean, it's just or purple rather. It was just, it was just. It was really great to watch. That actually is what they did. If you watch the 
the behind the scenes video blog stuff. That I've not seen that. The forest part, I believe, was location. Oh, okay. So that part was not green. Wow. It was <laughs> no, purple. it wasn't. It was purple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So stepping away from the visual side of things for a while, yes. because we we both agree that it looks phenomenal. Hmm. Um, let's talk about the script and story. Okay. Um, the script has a lot in it, you know, and it's it does a fairly effective job of balancing it all out, I think. There were some times where I was a little confused about what was going on and had to re- – yeah, re- rewind's not the right word, but go back yeah. and watch a couple scenes, but – not to the effect where it completely started losing interest because I had no idea what was going on. Uh, it took a, it, it took a, you know, you had to sit there and think about a couple things. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I thought it was, it was handled uh, in a very good way. Yeah. It, it didn't strike me as being written like a typical fan film, uh, you know, because some of those are weak on story mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they figure, well, let's just get together in costumes and we'll have some phasers and we'll, we'll have a bad guy. This was not that at all. No. Um, the way it deals with the Iconians and how that ties into Horizon itself. And then the Romulan War. And then you know being pulled into a different time frame, a different century. Yep. yep. And then having to find a way back. And it, you find out at the end it's all because of some you know uh, prototype weapons that had – you know, some unintended consequences, right? which I thought was a really creative way to, to get them there. Yep. And then there was a fairly creative way to get them back too, which I thought, mm-hmm. I think that, I think the story moved fairly well. I did have to watch it twice because there was a lot I missed the first time. Okay. Because I was, you know, still marveling at what I was seeing and trying mm. to say, oh, well, hey, that's from next gen. Yep. Hey, that's from JJ. Yeah, um, there were there were details I missed the first time, mm-hmm. like um, uh, Amelia, the the thirty first century um, temporal agent. Temporal agent, yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I I had missed her earlier in the movie, even though she's right there in the very first scene with the discovery. Mm-hmm. I didn't put two and two together. Yeah, and so when she showed up later on, I was confused. But then when it's I funny. watched it again, I was like, of course, she's right there. It's funny that you say that two points of, of what you were just talking about. A, it's definitely a movie that you actually can watch again and enjoy just as much, if not more, the, fir- the, the second time you watch it. It's one of those type of movies where it's, it's good enough to watch more than once, which I think is a testament to, to the cast and, and the crew and, and Tommy. Um, that scene at the very beginning with Amelia, um, when she is being brought down to sick bay, and you just see her tap her wrist at first. I'm like, what the hell is that all about? And I didn't think twice about it until yeah. it played a very, very important part of the story. And I liked that subtleness. I, I appreciate the layers in this script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's you know, no script is perfect, you know, and there are probably things that could have been drawn out slightly differently to make them more apparent to the viewer the first time. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I, I think that. It was a decent story. I was very pleasantly surprised because with a lot of non-professional fan films, you know, they they don't like I said they don't they just don't have story. Right. I am going to nitpick one thing, but I'm only going to nitpick it because I want to get your take on it. Yeah. And that is it it's in it 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 revolves around Amelia kind of when Captain Hawk starts having dreams. And she's showing up saying, save me, save me. And then he's in an area of the ship. I'm not sure exactly where it was, but he reaches his hand through the wall. That whole idea of the holographic wall hiding that cube kind of threw me off a little bit. Did you take, did you get anything out of that scene? Was there a specific reason that you thought it was handled that way? It kind of was kind of fuzzy to me. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, You know, I, the whole cube thing kind of mystified me on a few levels. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it was terrible. Okay. You know, I looked at it as something temporal, kind of mm-hmm. like in Enterprise with, um, uh, what was the crewman's name? Daniels. Daniels. Crewman Daniels' quarters. 
and how, you know, Archer could step okay. in there and it would turn into, you know, essentially a, a history of space and time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of looked at it like that. Yep. Um, the destruction of the cube, I thought, was very interesting. Yes, Because I did of what too. happened in the wake, you know, what happened after that. Yep. But... You know, I, I, I kind of looked at it like that. You know, they were able okay. to explain the dreams, or at least, you know, the Amelia character did later on. Yep. I thought that was interesting. Yep. It made me wonder what the heck Starfleet does in the 31st century. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I can see why, you know, you had difficulty with the whole cube thing. Because it mm-hmm. it took me until the second time through to to pick that up. Okay. Um, one of the things I did want to make sure I, I made mention of is I thought that Paul Lang did a great job as Captain Harrison Hawk. I, his character at first seemed a little different than what I would expect, but as the movie went on, he really grew on me, and I really thought he did a great job. Uh, hats off to Paul Lang and the whole cast. The whole cast, they're not professionals, to my well, knowledge. Well, I mean, they all have professional credits. Right, but I mean, they're not IMDb. Like, we're not having George Clooney or somebody like that uh, coming over and 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 doing the show. They did they did very very well, and I was very impressed with Captain Hawk. Captain Hawk was somebody I could see in a series. Yeah, I I can second that. Yeah, you know there were times where I I thought all of the acting performances were were really good. Mm-hmm. There were times where I think that the energy was a little flat in the film. Agreed, and I. I think that's more of a direction thing than it is an acting performance thing. Okay. Because even when things were most perilous to Captain Hawk, he was straight and cool as a cucumber the whole time. Yep. And okay, I get that, but even Captain Kirk showed some kind of response and expression and surprise mm-hmm. at times. Yep. So I think that's my only nitpick there. Okay. Other than that, I thought the cast was very solid. I yep. thought they introduced some really interesting characters, especially the uh, the Romulan defector who was masquerading as a human who wound up as the Helms yep. person. Yep. Um, I thought uh, the the depth to the engineer character was it uh, Commander Brooks? Yes, was, uh, Francis Brooks. Yep. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, the fact that you know he shouldn't have been the chief engineer at all, but yet here he was. Right. I thought that was a really really deep and layered character. I appreciate that. It was a good backstory. Yeah, it was a great backstory. Um, I like that, you know, Hawk fessed up to, you know, having some kind of relationship with Amelia Mm -hmm. or at least feelings. I also thought it was great that he admitted, I think it was to Jackson, if I remember correctly, Jack, uh, Commander Gates, um, that he admitted that he joined Starfleet because he wanted revenge. Yeah. Or past love. I thought that was a great uh, little twist that you don't really hear very much in Star Trek stories. Plus, I thought that, you know, the, the relationship between Gates and Hawk was was good, too. You know, yeah. those two actors worked very well together. Mm-hmm. And I thought that there was a, a dynamic between their two characters that worked. I could see them working together, you know, on yeah. that ship. Yep. It was believable. Yep, very believable. Um, the other thing about the ship, well, not the ship so much, is um, if this was all of Tommy Craft's doing, those uniforms look like they came off the lot from Enterprise. From yeah. when they, those were those were awesome uniforms. They look great. The Romulan uniforms, the Romulan makeup, actually. Hats off to our friend Lisa Hansel for uh, um, the work that she did in the movie because she had a hand in the um, in the actual uh, the makeup. Film and the makeup, yeah. So it was it was very well done. It really was. Um, going back to characters for a second, Daikon kind of perplexed me a little bit. I thought the character was a decent one, but I'm not sure why he was there and he was awfully easy to kill. Very, very easy. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, I was like, that, that's it. That no shield, no special way to to avoid phaser fire, and mm. then he just falls off. It was kind of like Han Solo. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I should take part of that back. I mean, because it, he was there to you know essentially get revenge for people ignoring the the fate of Romulus. Okay, I get that part. I guess I, I guess I can see that. I guess I can work with it. But he for for all of the technology he commanded. You know, um, I, he, yeah, he was way too easy to kill. Yeah. 
Yep. I Go expected on. more. I maybe a fight between Hawk and Daikon would have been great. A kind of a Kirk fisticuffs scene would have been really great, actually. Yeah, but instead it was more like you know Indiana Jones, you know, <laughs> shooting the guy with the swords. <laughs> I like it. Which nice. had had a decent element, but um, yeah. But then that's a nitpick. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah, absolutely a nitpick. Uh, I, I thought it was very, very good. It was enjoyable. It was fun. It. Oh, actually, here's the next question, and I don't want to step on your toes. I don't know if you're going to ask this. It was a Star Trek feature for me. It was Star Trek. I, I agree with you. You know, usually that's the the last question we wind up asking ourselves, but yeah. let's address it now. Yeah. You know, I I is it recognizable as Star Trek? Yes. Yep. Does it feel like Star Trek? Yep. Yes. There's exploration. There's strange new worlds. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a crew that that has to do something bigger than itself mm-hmm. in order to survive yeah yeah um it that's one of the things that you know you could sit there if if it, if you could answer the following question with a yeah then it would not be star trek could you have done this story without the star trek elements without the romulans it could have been another race without the iconians it could have been another race right if you can do would that story have worked and would it have in it would it have brought in interest from viewers if it did not have those star trek elements if the answer is yeah, then it's not Star Trek. And I don't think you could have done it without these things that we're familiar with. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? It does. I I agree with you. I, I think that any other way this movie happens as your generic sci-fi film mm-hmm. doesn't work nearly as well. Yep. Because there are things in here that are specific to the Star Trek experience. Yeah. You know, the Romulan war right off the bat. Yeah. It could have been another war, Mm -hmm. but I mean, the Romulan war is so key to the early formation of, of the Federation that, you know, it, there's a lot at stake there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it sets the tone for, you know, what is at stake for this captain and this crew? Right. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Uh, it makes, you know, it makes you want to, you know, you could, you could sit, we could sit here and really deep dive into the Star Trek philosophy and, 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 and pull out different ideas. But I don't think you really have to with this, with this film. This is, this is a movie that I could watch after having binge watched all of Star Trek Enterprise. Yeah. And it would feel like it fit. You know, as far as tone and as far as story. Opening season five. It feels like a natural extension of that part of the Star Trek universe. Yep. You know, even though you do see the Enterprise a couple of times, you know, there is no involvement from the crew per se, but it it feels like, it feels like Starfleet. It feels like the Starfleet that they created in that series. I'm going to bring up one part that I said something to you about, which I'm laughing because it's like, wow, talk about being punched in the gut when Amelia is talking to Captain Hawk. (laughs) (laughs) Like, well, you know, why not just use the crew of the Enterprise? You know, well, because, you know, you're not as important as they are. (laughs) That was just hilarious. (laughs) Well, they didn't exactly say that. No, but that's what they meant. That's what she meant. (laughs) Well, then right after, it's like, well, will I ever see you again? And then she's like, uh, gotta go. <laughs> we make light of it, but it, it's it's explained well. Yes. Yep. And it's a good scene. Yeah. In between those two actors. It's, it it's, is. It's, it's the very end of the film. Yep. And honestly, I kind of like the way it ended. I did too. You know, uh, there's yep. there was no, well, let's go off to our next mission. Mm-hmm. It just sort of stopped. Boom, done. And I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I, I really appreciate that aspect because it's not, well, second start of the right and straight on till morning. Let me ask you this. Yeah. The way that it ended, which we both agree is a good way that it ended. Yeah. We'll have to ask Tommy this. Sequel? I don't know. It mm-hmm. would have to be something different. I mean, does it take place after the Romulan War? Yeah. No. You know, does it take place... You know, in in some other one-off story during the war, right? Because I think that if you do a Romulan war movie, it gets a little too confusing, and there's yep. got to be way too much to it, right? Yeah. What do you think? Okay. 
Yeah, interesting. I I may be confusing my remembrance of things with Enterprise when I ask this question, but in Balance of Terror, they made it clear that the first war with the Romulans was fought without visual communication, and so they never knew what the Romulans looked like and this, that, and the other thing. Where does that fall in with with what happens during Enterprise and with Star Trek Horizon? When was that? Or did they decide to change canon a little bit? In what way? Well, they definitely knew what Romulans looked like because he beamed down to the planet and saw him. He he saw him with his helmet on. Oh, okay. He never saw the ears. Oh, no, he never true. saw his hair. No so that he was wearing the, the type of helmet that they wore in Balance of Terror. You know, you're right. You're right because when they had the communication from the Romulans in the movie at the beginning, it was only uh, audio. Right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. And in Enterprise, I mean, you saw the ship. Yep. But that was really about it. Yep. They also talked about Sharon, if I remember correctly, too, didn't they? Big battle. Uh, yeah. The the system. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So another tie-in. I mean, they did. Yeah. Tos. Did a great job of tying it out, tying a lot of things in. <laughs> Whenever you mention Sharon, all I can see is Frank Gorshin. <laughs> Running down the quarters of the the endless quarters of the Enterprise, yes. yep. looking like he's going to run his limbs off like a rag doll, you know. And nobody can see me doing it, but it's like it looks like and he's in the he middle. When he turns of, the corner, his like head flips back. Yeah, <laughs> it's like step it back a little, Frank. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, I assume you have the same answer to the question: Is this Star Trek? I, without a doubt, I believe it is. We've talked about um, watching different things over the course of this show and, and whether it's Star Trek or not. And we've had times where we couldn't answer the question definitively. I think this is a very definitive yes. I agree with you. You know, there have been other productions that we've said categorically is not Star Trek. Yep. Other productions we've mentioned in this episode. Yep. <laughs> um, yep. And this one, it is. So I. I think it's it's worth the watch. I think that everybody should check it out. I mean, it's available for free on YouTube. All you have to do is queue it up and watch it. I I think it's you know an hour and forty five minutes of your time that is well spent. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that a lot of people are going to be very surprised. And as you watch it, remind yourself they did this for less than fifty thousand yeah. dollars. Yep. Yep. Not one point one million. Not five hundred thousand, not a hundred thousand. Yep, they did this for less than fifty grand. Yep, and that is a testament to that love and dedication for Tommy Craft from Tommy Craft. I got to tip my hat to him, man. I, I really can't wait to talk to him uh, because I, I'd love to shake his hand and say, "You, you're doing exactly what what we've been looking for in a fan production." Yeah. This yeah. is, you know, I in my mind, I sort of create two buckets, whether it's fair or not, but I do. There's a lot of room in there. I see a lot of room. You do. <laughs> <laughs> it's echoing. It's it's cavernous. <laughs> but in one bucket, you know, are the, what I call independent productions of sorts, which are still fan films to some extent, but they include like Farragut, Star Trek mm-hmm. Continues, mm-hmm. Um, any of the other ones that that have come out along those lines. Yep. Any of the ones that have produced content. And then there are others. And there's an entire, that, that second bucket is filled with a lot of fans who have created sets in their garage. Yep. People who have poured their heart and their soul and their love into it just to do it for fun. Mm-hmm. And this one stands at the top of the heap of any of those true fan-based productions. Yep. It is by far the best one I have ever seen. I yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. And that again, yeah, you you talk about somebody building a set in their garage and doing something that they love. This is one hell of a garage that this guy's got. Yeah. <laughs> because it's 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 really breathtaking. Yeah, I, mean, I want I want to say one thing. I want about the visual effects. I wanted to talk about one thing very quickly that stood out and I probably watched it 5 times. Towards the end when the planet is exploding um, and they're getting caught 
Uh, I'm sorry, or I'm sorry. I I I, I got to step back. It's um when the weapon at the beginning is exploding and they're getting caught in the in the gravimetric uh, yep. Yep. wave. Yeah. All I could think of was the rebooted to uh, JJ Star Trek when they're getting sucked back into the to the black hole. Oh yeah. And the effects for this were just as good as the JJ movie. You could see the streaks of gases uh, and the shadow that the ship was throwing off, off into the distance. It was, it was amazing. And it, it was something that I, like I said, I watched it several times because it was just that good to watch. Yeah. It's every time I go back and I think about it, there's something else that makes me go, Oh yeah. So the best thing we can do for everybody now is to convince everybody to go watch it. So go to YouTube or go to StarTrekHorizon.com or, you know, look for our episode for this movie on our website, TrekGeeks.com, and we'll have it embedded in there. Please go check it out and enjoy it. Yep. You know, it's it's worth enjoying. It's worth sitting down, you know, and, and just taking in. It's yep. great. And and we're very interested in hearing what you think of it. So let us know on the Facebook page on our Facebook page or or shoot us an email or give us a phone call and let us know. We want to we want to know what your thoughts are on this production. We're very we're very impressed with it. We uh we really think it's going it's it's blowing up the internet. Uh, the reviews that are coming in have also been just so positive and we'd love to hear if you think the same. And, you know, Dan, the other place that people can find out about it is at Camp Kittimer. Yeah, that's right. Go to Facebook.com slash group slash Camp Kittimer, and we'll let you right in. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it out there as well as other fans. Uh, come join us and and tell us all about your experience with Horizon. Come to camp. Come to camp. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, I think that puts a wrap on episode number 49. Wow. Next I one. can't believe that I have sat here with you for 49 episodes. I can't believe <laughs> it either, honestly. And I wouldn't have it any other way, man. <laughs> uh, me either, buddy. Hey, uh, why don't you do me a favor and throw out some love to those uh, those friends of ours in that band? Oh, you mean five-year mission? Yeah. We got some big news for them, huh? We We're going to wait until next week to talk about that. But yeah, five-year mission. Go to fiveyearmission.net. Listen to all their awesome songs. We cannot thank the guys enough for allowing them or allowing us to use their music each and every week on the podcast. It's awesome. We love it. Go get yourself some season one, some season two, some season three. Or year one, year two, and year three. Season year. Same thing. Come on, man. (laughs) Trouble with Tribbles. You know, come on. Spock's brain. Brain and brain. What is brain? Because I know you don't know. So Uh uh, anyway... (laughs) Huh? Your mission, they're awesome. We can't we can't say enough good things about the boys. Awesome. We'd also like to take a moment to ask everybody that may be listening to us on iTunes to perhaps give us a rating oh. on iTunes and a review because it will help other people discover the podcast. And uh, if you haven't subscribed to us yet on iTunes, you can do it right there. And that way our nifty little podcast will come right down to your device automatically. I like that word, nifty. Nifty. But... Uh, <laughs> Next week, it's Nifty 50. Yes, it is. The way iTunes works is that uh, you get bumped up in the search results when other people rate and review your show and subscribe to it. So that's uh, help other fans find Trek Geeks and help Trek Geeks find other fans. That's what it comes down to. But for now, this has been episode 49 of Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. We hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut! That's all I got. I'm deaf now. I got nothing this week. (laughs) Coconut. Coconut. No? I'm glad I didn't hit pause yet.
Bing bong. Bing bong. What's up? I see already I can't use it. <laughs> you can use that. Just no, bleep I, it out. I, the less I have to bleep, the easier it is to edit. It's five seconds into the podcast, jerk. It's not even the podcast, so I cut the actual <laughs> podcast out of this part, and then I have to go back later to create the outtake from what's left. You're no fun. Fuck you. When you said you were several <laughs> minutes away, I thought you were like on the road. <laughs> uh, n- uh, not too far off. I just barely finished dinner from having picked it up. Oh, 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 oh. What'd you have? Chinese food. Oh, nice, nice. We had pork tenderloin wellington. It was awesome. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, we saw it at the place that we go to get uh, uh, dinner every once in a while from their butcher shop, and they had them all wrapped up and had little uh, sprigs of uh, stuff stuff on the top. Of it. They were awesome. It was really good. Stuff is a technical term. Stuff is good. Stuff is good. <sighs> I'm just finishing up the... Uh, I can't talk and type at the same time. You can't type and type at the same time. <laughs> the album cover. I'm sorry, what were you saying? Yes, exactly. Okay. I, I missed what you said. I, I actually was being serious. Oh, I'm finishing up the uh, album cover. Did we think we're good with that, with that little glow that I put in there? I said it was cool, didn't I? Uh, you did. I just want to make okay, sure. Shut your face. We don't want the Mr. Executive Producer to get all in uh, a bit you, of dishevelment. And you keep angry. referring to yourself in the third person. <laughs> I just don't understand this. <laughs> That's not true. You, sir, are the Executive Producer. That's news to me lately. I'll tell you what. You're like the Tommy Kraft of the Star Trek Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. You don't even know the name of the show. <laughs> now I know you don't listen to it. <laughs> so we'll talk to Tommy, and then oh. once he's off, we'll do the rappers. Oh, okay. You want to do it all tonight? Yes, we got time. Okay. We're not going to do a synopsis? I. What did I say to you the other day? I know. I know. Yeah. No, no. no. What did I say to you? You said that we didn't have anything written up, and you, I didn't have anything. You didn't have anything. That's not what I said. To ask Tommy if he had one. No, say ask Tommy to run through the plot in like two minutes. Oh, okay. All right. All right. You Apparently, you don't pay attention either. You ask me this at work. Do you expect me to remember it? You've got a written history. Well, then you should have said, go back and read your history. It's in there, Dan. Don't make me feel like I can't even get you to read what I write the first time. How am I going to write you're stupid, and I don't like you, and I don't want to talk to you anymore. Coral. (laughs) (laughs) An eye, Coral. An An eye, Coral. (laughs) That was good. (sighs) That's funny. I'm also going to shout out, give a shout out. Oh, that's to uh, to my buddy Paul Lang, Captain Harrison Hawk, because he was pretty cool. Your buddy? I liked him. You know him? No, 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 but he's my buddy now. I know him. <laughs> Dude, Flash was awesome. Which one? We watched the season finale of season one last night. Oh, you're just getting started. Yeah, I know, and we can't see season two yet. <laughs> Is the Vul- the Vulcan scene still not back on YouTube? Really? Yep. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. Throw my chat window up in case you want to send me any invisit chats. Shut your face. What? You shut your face, sir. <clears throat> Don't do that. I'll do what I want. It works. <laughs> well. Okay. Par for the course. Yeah, well, that's something that you never see in the real golf course. I don't recall you hitting too many pars in Vegas. Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, you're wrong. I'm not wrong. Uh, you are wrong. Mignano wiped the floor with you. He did no such thing. He did. We were he, virtually tied into the last hole. He he made you he he made you look like his caddy. <laughs> he 
He was the supreme golfer. I would have thought riding in the same cart with him might have rubbed off on you a little bit. Apparently not. Oh my god, it's Vic! It's Vic! <laughs> what a <laughs> <laughs>